All right, guys, uh, I'm here with Luis Avila Senor from, you're in Mexico City, right? In Mexico City. And yes. you, you, you are the founder of Keto Gains, uh, which is the, not even arguably, it is the most evidence-based keto kind of format and platform on the internet. And you guys do an amazing job. And I'm excited to, to get to chat with you about, about what you're passionate about. And, kind of, and I, I don't know that we're going to disagree on any of these, um, on these topics, um, but it, it's going to be cool to kind of see how you handle the nuances of, of, of what you do. And so you want to tell people a little bit about, about yourself and, and kind of how you got into keto? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Ben, for the, the introduction. Uh, so, yes, I'm uh, the founder of Keto Games, which is uh, we call uh, an evidence-based protocol that specializes in low carb to help people uh, improve uh, their body composition and by proxy uh, their health. Uh, it started very much as a passion project, uh, but since a few years ago, it actually, we became a company and we employ over 20 persons worldwide. Uh, and we are a team of uh, doctors, uh, nutritionists, uh, dietitians, uh, even we even have a, a dentist uh, that are passionate about fitness and helping people achieve uh, these goals, right? So we do um, suggest a ketogenic diet protocol for most of our clients, but we are not the classic people that tend to say or think that keto is the answer to everything. Uh, we actually, what we do with a lot of our clients is uh, strive for, I think we call metabolic flexibility, and it's based on nutrient density. So we don't suggest the classic uh, keto approach where everything is high fat or we use, for example, we don't uh, use percentages as uh, what normally people uh, or how people define a ketogenic diet. Uh, this has its pros and cons. Uh, the main con is that we are not very welcome in the traditional keto community because we don't do real keto, as they tend to say. Uh, but we let results speak for ourselves. Like uh, we've coached in the past four years for a little more than 10,000 people uh, directly uh, via direct coaching or group coaching. And indirectly, I would be saying that just their Facebook group has over 114 people and the Reddit group about 114,000. Uh, yeah, 140,000. And I'm a big influencer of the main, um, let's say that I helped build uh, the main keto uh, Reddit board, which is about 1 million subscribers now. Like uh, I refined the fact, I try to make it as evidence-based as possible, but it's very hard to go against the waves. So what happens here is that um, lots of people have a very basic understanding of what a ketogenic diet is. And so they tend to follow a lot of uh, classic errors that I call, which impede them to actually get the best results possible. Uh, and this is why the keto has so many um, people that are against it. And it's very much like with any diet. If you do it properly and with a certain objective, you can get great results. If you do it uh, just because it's in fashion and, look, and are looking for a quick fix, uh, it becomes a fat diet, right? Um, uh, for example, when I started keto, and that was almost 20 years ago, so <laughs> it's not that it, it's a new diet right now, it's more so it's in fashion. But when I started it, really there was not uh, so much information available. I had to go and dig through actual books of nutrition in, in college. I had to go to the dark web, as I was uh, telling you about, uh, because there was no Google at the time. You actually had to be very tech-savvy in a way, uh, or actually love the internet uh, to research properly. You have, you didn't have PubMed and could look at studies. Uh, you Mostly, they were all anecdotes, and you had to actually speak to bodybuilders. In my case, uh, I learned a lot from uh, Lyle McDonald at the time, and his books, and when he was writing on these uh, bulletin boards. And so what I did, because in my case, I'm very curious, I tried to refine the basis of a ketogenic diet, but apply it to uh, body uh, recomposition to get like uh, the best results possible within a ketogenic or low carb context, uh, but also not uh, fall prey to a lot of the negatives that the, this diet when done improperly may have. Uh, 
so I was talking before about percentages, for example. When you ask people what uh, is a ketogenic diet, and even people that may be a little bit more uh, in the known of nutrition, everybody refers to the diet as a diet that is uh, high fat, moderate to low protein, and very low in carbohydrates. And they start to spew out uh, percentages. It has to be a 70% uh, uh, energy, 70% uh, 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 intake of fat, uh, 20 to 25% protein and 5% carbs. And so okay, if you are into nutrition, you may understand, uh, for example, that these percentages are based on energy. If you are a lay person, you may get confused whether these uh, numbers come from calories or from actual grams. So then you have people uh, thinking that if they maintain this ratio, doesn't matter how much they eat, they are still ketogenic. And they can be ketogenic, but uh, they forget or don't grasp because maybe they have been lied to or the diet has been oversimplified or, or romanticized. That calories don't matter, which is, a to which is totally false. Calories do matter even on keto. So you can gain weight. I gain weight on keto. Uh, you can gain muscle. Of course, if you do it properly, and you can get fat on keto if you eat whatever, even if you maintain the ketogenic diet uh, ratios and you have your insulin levels low. Because mm -hmm. probably you're eating a diet of 8,000 calories or 5,000, where even if you maintain the ratios, you are eating, uh, of course, uh, much more calories than your body can expel. And then uh, uh, also, even if you're at 5% um, of carbs, uh, you could be probably eating 150 grams of carbs depending on the amount of calories, right? So what, what I started doing is, okay, uh, reconciling uh, the science, the context, context, and also common sense. So we apply uh, a ketogenic point of view, uh, mix a little bit with paleo, whole 30, as to put it uh, in ways that I can, uh, people can understand. Uh, but with the idea of helping people mainly change their habits, uh, gain health, and of course, body composition. And um, we also tend to look at preferences of the, of the person. If the person doesn't like to eat a ketogenic diet, there's no sense to put them in a ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. uh, they already uh, lean um, probably on their very um, performance-oriented, they, they are doing lots of exercise, maybe a ketogenic diet in the broad sense or the basic ketogenic diet may not be the best for them. It may not be able to support their training. So there are some modifications you can do to the diet uh, that they can still be sort of ketogenic or using fat as their main source of fuel. But here's uh, something to consider, and this is something people always forget. They start to do X diet, let's call it the ketogenic diet, for the purpose of, okay, losing weight. And then over time, they join uh, this sort of cult mentality where what matters is being in ketosis. And they forgot what they got into in the first place, which was to lose fat, to get results. So that's why I coined this term, chase results, not ketones. Like who the fuck, sorry, cares no, about like if you're not losing fat, then it doesn't matter. Or if you started to do the diet to improve body composition and you are losing muscle, not training properly, then stop doing the diet. Like, okay, give the diet time, do it properly, and then you can decide whether it, the diet is for you or not. Like I, it's also the other side of the, of the coin. A lot of people speak very bad about uh, a ketogenic diet. No, it's the worst diet you can do. It's... um masturbation diet, you're going to lose all your muscle, blah, blah, blah. Okay, have you done it? No, but it's the worst thing ever. Okay, then uh, it's like you cannot say whether you like uh, chocolate or vanilla if you haven't tried both and compare them. Give them their it's due time, do it properly for what is supposed to be, uh, again, for the context, and then you can decide, but give it a, its proper time and do it like it should be done, not like uh, some other people on the internet do like uh, drinking uh, butter coffee and not uh, be, uh, being mindful of nutrients or under eating protein and so on. Yeah, I love it. That's 
I, I did keto. I had the same thing. So I, I naturally gravitate towards carbohydrates. And um, I don't think I could ever be keto long term just because my wife uh, would like, so that, that's kind of what, what, if we think about what are the benefits of keto? Well, it seems to have this appetite suppressing effect, which is great. If you're trying to lose weight, fantastic. Um, it's very rigid. Uh, so there's, you, I think that you guys do a great job in like more working in absolute terms instead of percentages, like, Hey, here, here's the grams. And then, you, you know, some people can maintain ketosis at pretty high grams of carbohydrates if they structure them around their training. Uh, we have clients at 80, 100 grams of carbohydrates. And first, uh, I don't give a damn if they're in ketosis or not. Like mm -hmm. what I prefer is that they can maintain the diet, but they like what they are eating and that per their performance or whatever is not suffering, right? But in some cases where we actually have checked, they are in, um, in, in a set again of mild ketosis or we refer to what I hate this uh, the classic curve that uh, Vinny and Paul did uh, explaining that the, um, how deep you are in ketosis because it's uh, it's widely misunderstood but again going by it because it's the only reference we have uh, lots of people are in mild nutritional ketosis which is which starts uh, at about five per, uh, millimoles with five millimoles, sorry. Uh, and they are eating 80 or 100 grams of carbohydrates a day and they are in ketosis uh, when checking by uh, blood. So. so the three biggest things that, that I, I have from a, from a sports performance standpoint or from most of the people listening to this are, are probably coaches. Um, so they might be working with general population and, and I think ketogenic is an extremely viable tool for, for pretty much anyone if you do it correctly. Um, and I, but I think the downside, when we think of, I love that you were like self-identifying the downsides of, of your protocol. Um, yeah. Like, can we, can we look at our own confirmation bias? And to me, the, the positive and a negative is an appetite suppressant, right? So mm -hmm. if, some, if someone has to, if you're, if you're a trained athlete, if you're, if you have a lot of muscle mass, one of the prerequisites is probably being in a slight excess of calories over a long duration. Right. And so if, if you don't, so for me personally, it's hard even for me to gain weight if I have access to cookies and you know, all these hyper powerful items. Whereas if you took those all away from me and I had, I could probably do it, but it would, I, I it would take a ton of cognitive oversight and that I would have to track a ton of stuff to get, you know, 37, 3,800 calories in the form of, you know, avocados and things like that. Um, and so that, that, that to me would be a negative for how do you guys combat that? Because I know you've had success with muscle gain in fairly advanced uh, physiques. Yeah, basically, you just said it. Like, uh, people, like, here's something funny, but people come to us and the, one of the first questions I ask them is, okay, so you want to do a ketogenic diet? Like a lot of people assume that we only treat people with ketogenic diets, and the, the, the reality is no. It may not be for everybody. Like, uh, yeah, lots of people come to us because they want to improve their body composition, and lots are in their mid-40s or um, 50s. Uh, and so uh, a ketogenic diet may be proper for people whose main goal is to improve body composition, to lose body fat and that they may have a higher degree of insulin resistance or a mild uh, startup uh, insulin resistance. Uh, and also they may have a problem with overeating, right? And the actual process that we do with our clients is first uh, normalize them or stabilize them in a certain weight, then uh, at, while building muscle, which improves insulin uh, sensitivity, of course, and gradually start increasing carbohydrates. We have clients that started at two, uh, over 200 pounds, and now they are at about uh, 160. I'm speaking of a female client, and she started at 20 grams of carbs, and now she's eating 120. But this is a process that takes years, right? And now if you look at her, she has a body of a uh, uh, CrossFit enthusiast, you know, uh, white arms, uh, abs, and so on, but she was quite overweight. It's a process that takes uh, time and a change of habits and so on. People that are very thin, that are the classic hard gainers, um, probably those people may not fare uh, very well on a ketogenic diet. That the same reason why they may not fare well, probably even on a paleo diet, because of the amount of food that they have to eat. Like uh, it's a classic um, example of uh, Michael Phelps and many uh, Olympic athletes 
where you actually see them on competition day or when, when they are to perform their best and they're eating a uh, uh, crap meal, you know, uh, they're eating cookies and they're eating uh, chips and so on and ice cream and people think that that's how they are supposed to eat. And no, the reason is that they are eating that way because there's only, uh, that's the only way they can cram so many calories within a certain time uh, because they're focused on performance at the moment. Probably normally they don't eat like that. Probably they eat probably 1,000 calories less and probably they eat more what people tend to refer to a clean diet, more uh, veggies and so on and so forth. Uh, but you uh, know this very well. Uh, even though calories are calories and macros are macros, uh, it's not the same um, whether you eat that from whole food versus if you eat that from processed food. Uh, they cut the, the, the amount of time that your body is going to spend digesting that, the actual uh, availability of nutrients, it's going to be a bit different uh, depending on the origin of the food. So there's a, uh, a, everything has to be looked within a certain context. You want to cram as much calories as possible within a certain time frame. probably uh, you're gonna do a little bit better by introducing some, uh, of course, higher carbs foods, uh, even uh, food that is not traditionally clean, ice cream, uh, even chocolate, uh, candy, whatever, a donut, because that's what you, your personal context needs. On the other side, it's someone who wants to lose weight, who has maybe a slower metabolism, uh, problem with certain kinds of foods, then you're better off uh, making the diet uh, bland in a way, but very nutrient dense, uh, very filling, uh, slow digesting, so on and so forth, so that you can trick them into eating less calories, more nutrients, and in a way, again, help them manage a caloric deficit. So you would, you kind of, when you, when you get to this advanced body composition kind of area, uh, then, you, then we're both going to kind of use whatever we can to, that's going to work. Like, exactly. that, that's a nuance, that's a nuanced problem. I know I have to get you in an excess of calories. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to do that and then kind of fill in my other bumpers as you will like fill in everything else they have to eat like 1.8 grams per kilo of protein they have to make sure they're doing all these other things and then and then maintaining uh, then probably maintaining and progressing overload uh from a training volume standpoint those are probably the biggest things depending on on the training of course what the the person is actually uh, following or wants to do and then from a from a general population sense the thing I, I don't worry about this, but the thing that gets me about keto is I see a lot of people doing like social sick keto and that they, cause it's rigid, right? It's, it's, it is by its nature, like the whole 30 is also rigid. So you're, you're stacking rigidities on rigidities. And so whenever I tell people not to think about a pink elephant, they think about a pink elephant. And so whenever you take something valuable away from someone, that value inherently increases. And so okay. have you, have you found that, um, how do you deal with that aspect of, of kind of cheating? So here's the deal. Um, I don't know, uh, uh, you actually practice and coach clients from, from what I understand, right? Okay, so uh, we've been coaching clients for over 10 years. Uh, and when you start coaching, you think, okay, so this is fairly easy. You just tell people what to do and what to eat and they follow and they get results. Like if it, if it, it was really like that, uh, I, don't, I don't think that, uh, there'd be so many coaches and trainers out there. The trick is to actually uh, make people do things. And oh, you're, that, you're saying if people, if everyone listened to you, we wouldn't need as many trainers and coaches. Yeah, exactly. Because again, it's like just eat this, do that, and voila, right? Everybody gets results. Like uh, try try putting someone on a PSMF diet. On paper, it sounds amazing. After four days, everybody quits. Like you have this very big group. Protein is uh, very modified fast. For the- yeah, exactly. You have uh, this huge group on um, on Facebook that it's about the PSMF diet. I very seldomly see success stories, but it's a very big group. Like, and I know from experience that it's a gruesome diet. It's boring. It's bland. It's um, it, it makes you anxious. So if you can last more than one week without binging, because that's what a lot of people that are not trained to, to uh, understand, they start a crash diet because it's a crash diet. And because they don't have the foundations and they don't have the habits 
nor the mental preparation to endure these certain kinds of protocols, they fail miserably and they gain it all back and more. So uh, the point I'm trying to make is that you start probably as a health or diet coach and you end up over time. And this is something that I've seen with the most successful trainers out there. Uh, you should have become a psychologist, a diet psychologist, or I, what, I, what I tend to say in jokes, a, a fat whisperer. You learn to read people. Uh, you, you start to understand their needs and wants, uh, and uh, you have to go in their shoes and see what their actual difficulties are. Uh, and so that you can, uh, it's not saying uh, things to, to, to anybody, it's how you say them or how you make them be aware of what their, um, uh, yeah, but basically um, the areas of opportunity are uh, and what they actually need to improve. Because I, I can tell them, don't eat this. But what I need to do and when I'm very successful with clients is when, they make, when I make them themselves realize and they have this aha moment when they know they uh, or understand that they have the power to change certain things uh, within their, their context. And that's when they start really uh, getting great results. Because otherwise, they're just going to go, I don't have to eat this. Uh, and they feel, like you said, restricted. And it's not just in keto. It happens with any diet. Because if they got overweight in, in the first place, it's because they have certain bad habits ingrained so much that they become part of their identity. Like, I, for example, I tend to analyze clients in a way how they write, how they behave, how they tell me certain things. And there are some key words that I um, read, for example, when they start talking now. But I'm sad because I can't have my pizza again. Like they're saying my. So that indicates possession. It's something that is part of their identity. And so when you take that away, they feel threatened. threatened. Mm -hmm. And this will be very hard for them. Uh, my coffee, my milk, my cheese. So those are the things that uh, people need to let go probably to be successful. But you cannot tell them exactly let go of that. They have to go through a process and discover that themselves and understand that that's the one thing probably that is uh, really detaining them from uh, seeing progress. Yeah, people people ask me all the time, like, what degree should I get? What what should I go study? Um, and I'm like, you should go. Uh, I can teach you all this nutritional stuff in, in a fairly short amount of time. Uh, if I had to go back and get a degree, it would probably be in behavioral psychology. Yeah. And and so and I think if you're a good coach, you inevitably fall into if you work with day to day work with clients, you realize that it's not what you say it's what you can get people to do and the key to that is 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 self-initiated change and i think that's what that's what i heard is you're trying to get people to self-identify things and then also self-identify their own solutions so that that they own it exactly uh, so, again like being a psychologist uh, you, you really much uh, said it like if you were to suggest someone uh, who wants to you know join in the or get a successful fitness career uh Probably what they have to do is, of course, get the basic foundations of nutrition and, and maybe, I don't know, uh, bodybuilding or whatever they decide to specialize in, but also any behavioral science. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree. So, so what you're, you don't ha you're not using some kind of hammer to prevent cheating. You're using sound, scientific, behavioral psychology, motivational interviewing practices to try to change people's habits so that they don't self-identify with eating cake. Like that is not part of their identity. And if they do, exactly. eat cake, if they do eat cake, then they don't catastrophize and think that it's the end of the world and they move exactly. back. They move on. Um, okay. Awesome. So <laughs> uh, this is, this is great. Uh, we, we agree on a lot of things. If I had, if I had to talk and I for sure you get this too. Do you ever have to do interviews with like, uh, like the the keto people holding pitchforks and it doesn't go very well. Uh, actually, uh, here's the deal. Like, um, I don't know how ingrained you are or how um, like if you go and visit those forums and so on. But uh, like, people start to wisen up. Uh, again, I, I I don't like to say it's like a cult, but in a way, it's like a cult. <laughs> in the way, uh, it happens again with paleo or vegan or, or happens so. with anything. Yeah, people go into a diet, it sort of works for them, they identify with the diet, and so it becomes, becomes part of their, their identity. So they, they become very defensive. 
And what I see with keto and probably happened with uh, people who do vegan diets or now with uh, zero carb and so on, they tried all diets before. Now they find something that it's uh, working in a way for them. Uh, and so they make it in their own. They're overly protective. And now another thing that happens is that uh, a lot of people who go into keto are in a way people that are disgruntled with authority, I tend to, to think. Mm -hmm. So they try to find their way or their explanation because all their way they've, they've been told, they have to eat less and move more. So they've been uh, casting to this uh, self-perception uh, of they are the fat people or the, in a way, uh, they're, they've been shunned upon, right? And now they discovered something that goes against authority. And now, you know, it's a classic Dunning and Kruger effect, like no calories don't count. I have to eat all the fat and, uh, and every, all my life they told me eggs are bad and fat is bad. And now I'm eating eggs and fat and I'm uh, getting healthier and I'm losing weight. So every, uh, the authority is wrong. The government is the, uh, the devil, etc. right? And now they, they have this identity. And now Luis comes with keto gains and tells them, guess what? Fat, you don't have to eat fat to lose fat. Uh, you don't have to restrict protein. Calories do count. And so a lot of people, they start to think, and okay, this makes sense. Uh, this guy is explaining it uh, with sound evidence, and I'm seeing all these people in his group getting washboard ads at 50 uh, or 60. And so, okay, maybe I didn't understand the diet correctly in the first place, or there are others that say, no, this is, um, he's a, 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 like a, the antichrist of keto. Uh, he's not really in keto because uh, he's not following the ratios and so on and so forth. So you have these uh, both sides of the coin. People, there are some people understand it. Some people are very defensive because you cannot change uh, your mind twice, right? They already changed their mind once. It's very hard for humans to be told they're wrong. I don't know. Let me put it in another example. No, they hate it. If you, I, the worst thing that you can do to someone is tell them if they, if they identify with something, the worst thing that you can do is attack their, their identity. Exactly. But they already changed their mind once. They changed from traditional dieting keto. And now you're telling them that what the version they're doing of keto is wrong. So for them, it's uh, okay. Nobody can change so much. Right. And, um, a very good example for people that may not understand this very well because they are not into keto or so on, like now with the anti-BCAA craze, right? Uh, 10 years ago, everybody was chugging BCAAs. Right now, a lot of people still do. And now you tell them, okay, some studies suggest that if you use branched-chain amino acids, it may not be the best, probably because... Um, May actually lower and may actually lower muscle protein synthesis. Exactly, like just for people that, that haven't heard of this, what BCAs do is uh, mainly leucine. Leucine it triggers uh, uh, muscle synthesis uh, response. Basically, it tells your body to start building muscle or to initiate the process. So what people got okay is I ingest BCAs. I'm gonna start building muscle or probably maintain. Great. Uh, if you just stay with this, it makes sense. What people forgot is that it's just a signal. It's like if you go into, you have a factory, you have this machine to make things and you turn it on, but you don't put any materials in. Okay, well, that's what Leosin does and that's what BCAAs do. They turn the machine on, but you didn't put the rest of the amino acids in. You didn't put the materials. So you're just uh, wasting energy and you are degrading the machinery. So in a way it can be counterproductive. There are some people that, uh, some studies that support the notion that you may even lose muscle if, or not grow at all if you're just chugging BCAAs without the rest of the protein, without the, the rest of the amino acids. Yeah, exactly. Well, because you break the, 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 the natural balance of the amino acids, right? Uh, so when you explain or tell people, uh, really you should not be using BCAAs, don't waste your money, Instead of saying, okay, thank you, you saved me 30 bucks a month, they get angry at you. It's like they, they tend to be with us, you're telling me I'm dumb because I'm buying amino acids, where the message is don't waste your money on an unnecessary supplement, just eat a whey shake, drink a whey shake or eat a chicken breast or whatever you want that has protein and you're going to get 
the results you want instead of using this uh, snake oil. I agree. And so when you, you were talking originally about um, this idea of, of, of talking with people and tripping, essentially you're trying to put out such good content that these people who are, you know, deeply ingrained into the, into the keto identity that they have a chance to trip on the truth. Cause that's the only way that I've, I've found to, if, if you are a staunch vegan, if you, you know, if, if you have this teddy bear of a diet like that and you're, you're gripping it so hard, the only way that I've found to get people to loosen that grip and to start to see contextually is to have them trip on the truth. Um, yep. Because that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't kind of go after their identity. It's not, it's not cutting at them as a person. Uh, what I tend to, to tell uh, a lot of them is uh, what we were saying uh, a few minutes ago is like, okay, you got into the diet to lose weight. So how is, how is that going? I haven't lost in three months. Mm -hmm. okay, so let's, th let's uh, think about that. Why are you not losing weight? Uh, because a lot of people really go and it's probably because I'm eating too many carbs, too, many pro too much protein, or I'm not eating enough fat. And you have people eating about 400 calories worth of these uh, ratios. They are overly restricting protein. I have uh, female clients that came from another coach. We're eating uh, an adult female 30 to 40 grams of protein a day. She's going to lose muscle. strength training. Yeah, of course, she was losing muscle and she had lost all definition. She wasn't training with the intensity that she was uh, before. Uh, like they were probably let's say that they were 25% body fat. They ended up at almost 30. Uh, like uh, they lost a lot of uh, strength and so on. And so you have to, uh, like, uh, probably you're familiar with this term, fix $5 haircuts, right? <laughs> no, uh, like, well, there, there are these, uh, in the States, uh, like these, uh, do it, but they're not doing it yourself. Like in some uh, uh, um, shopping malls, like get a $5 haircut where you go and they get a, give you a haircut but if done by someone that is not a professional hairdresser, so you probably end up with your hair all messed up, and then you have to go to an actual hairdresser or hairstylist to fix what the other one did. So the, the meaning here is that probably uh, you should be a little bit more wary of where you take your advice from, or if someone is saying something way too good, like take this pill and you will lose weight, buy my program and you will lose weight, and it's only $29.99, and you can eat whatever you want, calories don't count, uh, probably it's a, it's a lie, right? So what are the biggest problems that you see um, with people going, I know that you guys have an electrolyte supplement, what are, but what are the biggest problems that you see when people go keto? What are they, what are they not attending to? So uh, in regards, for example, to doing keto properly, uh, one of the main reasons is that people don't pay mind to electrolytes, mainly sodium. And that is uh, first because we've been told that sodium is bad. So, uh, well, it's bad if you're eating a, a traditional sad diet uh, with lots of processed food, which already has lots of sodium, so it doesn't make sense to increase sodium any further. But if you transition to a whole food approach, it doesn't have to be keto. It can be uh, paleo, whole 30, whatever, but you start eating more whole food. Uh, whole food doesn't have that much sodium in it, so you're going to have to add that back in. So that's one of the reasons. Uh, of course, electrolyte balance, not only sodium, but also potassium. Because when you drop insulin, you're going to secrete, you're going to lose more electrolytes through your urine initially, right? That's, uh, that's especially important in keto, but also may happen on paleo. Uh, uh, and keto is very uh, noticeable because, uh, you, uh, uh, yeah, you, because of the insulin is being lowered, it becomes a sort of diuretic diet at the beginning. You have this saying, uh, start peeing like a racehorse. Uh, very much like diabetics, right? So you are flushing all those electrolytes in and also losing a lot of uh, muscle glycogen, which also tends to store some electrolytes. So that's why it's very important on the start of a ketogenic diet. It may be less noticeable on people that already come from a semi-whole food diet, but on people that do that jump from traditional super processed type diet to keto, it's going to be harsh. So that's one of the, the main things that people have to be wary of. Uh, the second is protein restriction. 
again, people are already, in some cases, again, depends on the context, they may, may be already, especially women, eating a slowish protein, uh, let's say uh, 60, 70 grams, and now they start keto and they reduce it to 40, 30. I've seen cases where they're doing keto plus fasting and then, uh, you know, worried because all this uh, extra information they're getting from everywhere and now they want to also do uh, promote autophagy and reduce mTOR signaling and so on. And then again, eating 30 grams of protein, which is inconceivable for an adult female, right? Um, another so what do you thing, keep protein at? What, are you guys at like 1.6, 1.8? Uh, like, um, it really depends. Uh, but uh, like the lowest I normally suggest is 0.8 grams per lean pound. And right, then so you're, you're, you're jumping back the pounds on me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we, sorry, I, I use pounds. No, 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 no. That's why do you use pounds if you're in, in Mexico? I'm in Mexico, but my clients are worldwide. Uh, and okay. so like every, almost everything that I read is in English. And uh, even though studies normally are in kilos, uh, we tend to speak in pounds for our audience. That's uh, but, That's so yeah. awesome. That's funny. So yeah, we, we started a, 0.8 grams per lean pound and may increase depending on the context. Oh, so you do it per, you're doing a per pound of lean body mass. Yeah, like, a, for example, mm -hmm. you study with Meno. Meno tends to, uh, Meno actually uses lean pounds with his, with his clients as well. Um, normally, if you don't know the lean mass of the person, uh, you, you can use um, the, the, the total weight, which I found sometimes a, a little bit misleading because if you are treating people that are 200 pounds mm -hmm. or 300 pounds, then probably we get into the topic that we were supposed to be talking about, which is protein. And uh, you're going to give them way too much protein in some cases, which is not bad, but you're displacing probably other nutrients. Correct. So again, depends on the context. And uh, it's not that protein is bad, but probably you're going to be having them ingest a more expensive diet or something that it's going to be not optimized. Right, uh, I wouldn't be giving someone that is 300 pounds probably uh, 300 grams of protein. Yeah, and, and standard RDS are going to use very similar protocols. They're going to use they're exactly. going to use an ideal body weight. If you're if you're morbidly obese, they're not going to use your your weight. They're going to use other exactly. things to do that. So, so we try to identify or help them uh, and probably see estimate because again, in our case, we do think that a close estimation is better than just using total weight, uh, we are, uh, I'd say that I even play sometimes uh, games with clients and people and try to guesstimate this person as a body fat percentage. And I, I'd say that I'm, um, I, I'm very good at that, right? Uh, so we estimate their, their body fat percentage, we suggest as a start uh, 0 0.8, and then we may increase probably in some very rare cases up to two, but most people end up about one to 1.2 grams per lean body mass or per lean pound, sorry. Got it. Yeah, and then uh, carbohydrates really depends, again, on the context, in between 20 net grams, which uh, net, gram, net grams are uh, total carbs minus fiber, mm -hmm. and up to, depending on the context, of course, uh, 80, 100. In the case of people who want to sort of maintain a low-carb uh, ketogenic diet, uh, otherwise, it doesn't really matter. And then the rest of the calories come from fat. Got it. So you're just, you're kind of filling those, you're making sure you hit your bumpers on protein and then making sure you stay low enough on carbohydrates so that you're inside of this, this schematic. And then you're just exactly. filling the rest of the calories based on. Yeah, um, we, we even have this uh, patented saying that it's uh, uh, pro protein is a goal, carbs are a limit, and fat is a lever. So basically, right. you always stay, sort of stay within a range of protein because people tend to think it's only for muscle. And as you know, protein is not just for muscle, it's for enzymes, hormones, and every single cell in your body. And of course, satiety, which is uh, the main factor for adherence in any diet. Then you have uh, carbohydrates, which you have, we don't like people to go to zero carb, even though it's uh, probably a successful protocol for some people. But if we, because we value nutrient density, we do value, uh, think that, a lot of uh, important nutrients are more easily obtained with vegetables. And so even if you go to 30 grams of carbohydrates. Uh, That's when, net. For, for when, people that don't necessarily understand that, it means like avocados are basically free. 
because they have uh, weight. Yeah, but also like uh, you can eat probably a kilo of spinach or like a five uh, kilos of zucchini. Well, like five big zucchinis, and you will still be within uh, 30, 40 grams of net carbohydrates. It's a lot of food. Like uh, you can do it well. You can do it yeah, well. Yeah. You can get a lot of fiber. It's a, it's a lot of fiber, it's a lot of uh, nutrient density, it's a lot of food. I guess. Imagine uh, 100 grams of protein in, some, in a case, uh, 30 grams of net carbs would equal, in some cases, 100 grams of total carbs. But if you select the, the right kinds of foods, I'm talking about potato or rice, but it's, uh, zucchini, squash, chayote, uh, spinach, it's a lot of food. Uh, chayote is amazing, man. People, people for me, it's like my go-to vegetable for yeah, everything. That would, that would make sense. Chayote is a squash for those of you guys who have Yeah, uh, for those that are in the States that might not know it, um, I normally joke in, in, in my groups that it's, uh, I call it Shrek's balls. <laughs> yes, yes. Especially if you get the, the ones that are thorny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we use, uh, yeah, if you ever come to Flow, we have, we have chayote with ground beef a lot. So yeah, and you can make uh, a lot of uh, foods that uh, Americans tend to like, which is, for example, apple pie. You can make oh, you make it with chayote apple pie. Yeah, you can uh, you can sub it for anything that it's either an apple or a pear or or potato. Oh, I so, can see that. I can see that being good, like a chayote yeah. apple kind of. Uh, ah, yeah, Just yeah, add yeah. cinnamon, put it in an oven. Uh, like if you want to make a crust with almond or whatever, but it it really makes it. Uh, it I I've done tests with family and friends where I make like chayote pie and or like a, uh, anything that resembles like a, like a casserole or so, and they don't really notice. Mm -hmm. Well, they do that with kids too. They like, they hide vegetables and they like puree the vegetables and hide them in the normal food and the kids eat less food. Exactly. Uh, I think we could just do that with other people. <laughs> cool, awesome. Uh, so your, your two biggest things that people miss are this, this electrolyte need in the beginning. Um, the protein. And then the protein and then anything and then, else? Uh, the, the third one would be not being mindful of calories. Mm -hmm. uh, they think that they can eat whatever, that calories don't matter. And um, like a, this is a, a fine line to walk. Like a, I understand that a lot of people don't do, want to do the hassle. And of course, if you are paying us for coaching, lots of people will have to count calories, right? Because it, it, we teach them how to do it properly, to not really be, to uh, not get fatigued by this, but it's a, it's a habit that you have to build up to a certain point. There comes a time where you can learn to eat intuitively, and, and that's something that I practice a lot, but you have to go through a learning process. You cannot tell someone that it's, um, uh, that it's uh, 300 pounds, and it's just for fun or whatever do it intuitively because intuitively for this person means keeping eating like they're eating right now. You have, they have to go through a learning process, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to intuitively eat seven pizzas right now. Like that's exactly. It's like, uh, this is uh, the thing that led me into nutrition. This is an, a, a real anecdote. When I was a kid and I was overweight, my mother took me to this nutritionist, right? So she was quite overweight. So the first thing that I said- Your to mother her, or the nutritionist? Uh, my mother took me to a nutritionist. The nutritionist was overweight. Okay. So me being uh, the classic eight-year-old uh, wise kid, <laughs> I told her, so why the fuck are you fat? <laughs> you told me how to lose weight and I like that, right? But she gave me the classic, you know, white paper diet that has, you know, breakfast, uh, lunch, snacks, blah, 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 which is like a copy-cut a diet. Uh, everybody, uh, all nutritionists give. And so uh, she told me for breakfast, um, huevos al gusto. So it's like eggs any style. Well, in my mind, any style is like with five tortillas, uh, five <laughs> pounds of chorizo, five sticks of bread, you know? So it's like yeah. you cannot tell someone that doesn't have the, the basics to do it their way because their way is wrong or it's not the best way, right? Mm-hmm. So, all right, so we got, just to review for people, we got, be mindful of your electrolytes in the beginning. If you are going keto, you're going to have to intake more salt, potassium, magnesium. Um, and then you want to make, make sure if you're training, you want to have enough protein. And then, you know, calories still matter. You can't just chug olive oil and think everything's going to be okay. Yeah, uh, and, and the last one, which is a little bit more confusing for a lot of people, uh, is that weight loss is not linear. And mm -hmm. what you weight on a given day 
is not the result of uh, entirely of the diet. And this is something that is like a, this kaboom idea for a lot of people, especially women. It's like they don't understand that you can even gain weight, but look better and uh, lose inches. Because probably, um, and this is something that happens, especially when they start eating protein correctly, they probably don't lose weight or they even gain in some cases if they were malnourished because they don't understand all the uh, things that uh, make up weight, which can be water, glycogen, uh, lean mass, etc. So they have this idea when, if they stop uh, losing weight or gaining, because that's their only metric, uh, they think that the diet isn't working. Um, probably as you know, when you start keto, you go through this uh, honeymoon phase where you lose probably five, 20 pounds in some cases during the first two weeks. And people uh, like, uh, get highly motivated, which is great, but it's also an illusion because what they're losing in, in most cases is just water weight and glycogen. And so they have a cheat day or eat something back and they gain or, or uh, after they lose this initial water, they don't lose as fast as they were hoping or they lose traction. In some cases, they may even gain. So why, what I explain to people is that you have two sets of weights. You have your uh, weight on a high-carb diet and then your real weight on a low-carb or keto diet. So once you get to your real weight, your real current weight on a low-carb diet, you have to start doing the work. You have to start being mindful of calories because that's the, when the actual real weight loss starts. The first one was just like a bonus, but really not fat. You didn't really lose fat. And also, if you are eating uh, protein properly protein if you're starting to uh, strength train probably you're going to um, visually if you go by the scale lose less uh, weight it doesn't mean that the diet is not working you're probably gaining a little muscle you're eating more especially if you're eating whole foods food also has weight and so yeah. you, you cannot expect to uh, and this is an exercise I do with a lot of clients weight yourself first in the morning then go and have a half a pound of steak and then weigh yourself. And they go like, whoa, it's like, well, it's logic. Like, it, it, like it's not like once it's in your mouth, it disintegrates. Like you ate a half a pound, then probably you're gonna gain half a pound. And if you drank something, of course, probably even more. Some people don't know that by the end of the day, uh, some people can naturally gain four pounds. You are the same person, probably the same body fat, but weight uh, uh, like flows and uh, changes during the day, pretty much like your height. That's also a, a bonus information that people, most people don't know. You don't, um, you are not the same height when you wake up. In some cases, as when you sleep. You grow. The, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you, especially if you go from like a nutrient not dense diet, the standard American diet, which is which is not going to have a lot of food volume. And then you go to a higher density, nutrient density diet where you're going to, you could potentially go from eating two pounds a day to eating six pounds a day, which is, you know, that that's four pounds of, of noise inside. And so if you're trying to pick up a signal to noise ratio, you got water going everywhere. You got glycogen going with the water. Then you got food volume increasing. You potentially got muscle increasing. So weight's probably not the best. The best way is probably visually to look at people because- exactly. Because even a DEXA, even like a, even a BIA would be nonsense because you're moving so much water. So you don't have like your metrics. I, I agree. Like you probably do have to hit this this baseline level, and then you gotta. Sorry, you gotta put in the work. Like everybody's yeah, gotta I, put in the work. There's no shortcuts. Yeah, and that's something we do very well with our clients because we have the time to explain all these nuances, and we just don't look at one metric. We actually look at about uh, at least six different metrics. Mm -hmm. And wrap Six. them out, and yeah, like a, a like for example, waist to heat ratio, uh, navy fat method, uh, like very different ways to measure and put them all together to paint a very uh, broad picture of what is actually happening with each of our clients, and they appreciate it and understand that. But try to explain this to someone who is who has just uh, asked you for help in an open forum. So you have to give yeah. them a whole dissertation and thesis and a class. That like you can only write so much and 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 explain so much in five paragraphs of, of 
Yes, right. Also, they might not even value it, right? Because they're not paying. People who pay, pay attention. And so I, that's yeah. like, I, I rarely, if ever, like I never give away free advice on the internet. Like it's not, it's just not worth it. Like, um, I mean, may, if people, so one thing I did want, you're really, really good at kind of uh, wiggling your way out of a, of a position, which I, which I appreciate as I am very, very good at, at, at explaining context. So I will, I will try to pin you down on, on a keto topic. So you mentioned metabolic flexibility in the beginning. So we have this idea of metabolic flexibility is that you can burn fats while fasted or burn them or oxidize them at maybe a VO2 max under 65. And then as you cross over, you, you, if you're metabolically flexible, you can burn carbohydrates at higher intensities of exercise. Uh, and so if you go keto, you would potentially be making yourself more if, – if you're an athlete, not if you if you are insulin resistance, diabetic, yes, you you are going to make yourself more metabolically flexible by losing weight, do, improving body composition, exercising, putting on muscle for insulin sensitivity. But if you are a trained athlete, you would potentially be making yourself, especially if you're you know a 500 meter rower, or you know you're you're potentially going to make yourself more in metabolically inflexible in the opposite direction, in that you would limit your ability to use carbohydrates in those high, like for CrossFit, uh, via a lowering of pyruvate dehydrogenase. So what would be your, would be I, your I, I would not think that you would make yourself inflexible. Uh, how I view this is that, um, again, it really depends on the type of training you're doing. But what, uh, what I've seen is that for endurance type, uh, sports, uh, when you say, higher, when you say endurance, what, what level, like how far? Like that. Uh, I mean, like long uh, types of um, sports that require long bouts of time. Not so. so we much talking like ultra. So we talking like hundred like miles. Exactly. Right. Okay, yeah. I don't think keto is gonna. I don't. I don't think keto. I think keto is probably the choice there because you're under sixty five yeah. percent VO two max. Like it, it exactly. probably doesn't yeah. matter. What you want is sustained energy. But yeah, probably in in uh, something that you need more explosiveness, that you need more intensity, like you were saying, uh, probably rowing or so. Uh, uh, what I would do is uh, probably a mix of both, but with probably with a higher uh, dose of carbohydrates. Around so, so that's kind of the thing is this idea of 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 almost like carbohydrate loading or carbohydrate timing becomes more important for these people. Of Re course, repeating repleting glycogen. So you have this train like train low, train and then compete high, and then exactly so that that's what a lot of approaches of uh, uh, people who actually do keto, what they do is. Just as you gain metabolic flexibility in the case of people that are very insulin resistant, uh, also if you tend to veer more toward carbs, even if you're an athlete, you may lose a little bit of um, uh, your body, let's say, that forgets or is more proficient at burning carbohydrates. So by going through periods of uh, keto where you force your body to learn to use fatty acids more properly and increase mitochondrial density, then probably you can become more proficient at, at both. Like you're not uh, um, insulin sensitivity in a way for athletes. Uh, you really never lose um, the ability to burn uh, carbs. That's uh, how uh, normally it says um, it's at uh, the preferred source of uh, fuel for the body, right? Uh, because it's very easily metabolized. Well, you knock down you knock down enzymes like within three to four days of of going keto, you will knock down the enzymes that run that high that anaerobic metabolism. So you will you will but limit your ability very easily. Like uh, it's yeah, you regain them quickly. You'll exactly. regain them quickly. What I'm saying is uh, uh, uh for example, the the actual process to building uh to increase uh, mitochondrial density is very slow. So uh, what I've seen is people that do, like you were saying, train low and compete high. Uh, you train uh, low, you introduce a lower amount of carbohydrates, higher amounts of fat, so you prepare your body, you prime it. Even in case you've lost it or never had it, uh, increase uh, the, uh, the ability to use fatty acids as fuel. Yeah, and this, this brain use carbs as to regain enzyme use and um, and to improve your performance uh, prior or during the race, right? Like uh, the idea is not to become shifted into uh, just one direction. The idea is to probably increase, uh, if you see any use of it, uh, mitochondrial density, which I do think it's very valuable. Because uh, you did, again, you did it again, Luis. You did it again. 
You did it again. You managed to wiggle out of an answer. Love it. Love it, man. I, I think, it, yeah, metabolically, you can, if, if you are trying to chase metabolic flexibility, the, the fuel for the work, have you read the fuel for the work hypothesis? Uh, where there's this, if you're chasing mitochondrial adaptations, like my, mitochondrial biogenesis, um, you want to stay under probably a certain level of glycogen. And then yes. that yeah, will allow you. I tend to see the body as, um, <laughs> it's a, a, a weird analogy, uh, probably because I'm a child of the 80s and I grew up playing video games. But uh, you, I see glycogen and fat and protein as, I, as like in these video games where you have uh, different um, health levels, right? So you mm -hmm. have your health, then you have your mana, and then you may have like a special uh, ability, right? Yeah. So you can uh, either you can choose to be I don't know a magician and then you use only mana but they are very <laughs> weak, right? Or yeah, you yeah. Can more protein because there, you can also get energy from protein. It's maybe not the best ability, but you can prime. And I uh, and I have examples of uh, so a few athletes. Um, probably this is something that uh, we should talk about that went very low carb, semi high fat or medium fat but super high in protein. And what they did here was that they increased uh, the, the, the gluconeogenesis from protein, which normally doesn't happen this way. Uh, as you know, gluconeogenesis from protein is uh, uh, demand, not supply driven, as some people believe. But because they were forcing the ingestion of so much protein, they were getting all the glucose from protein. Right? Yeah, yeah there's 13 amino acids that you can push through the Krebs cycle and put them back through potentially exactly. potentially make glucose from yeah exactly i actually have a sort of formula uh to understand uh, like uh, how many carbs you can get from uh protein and so on uh, but again it's theory but i use it with some of the uh, clients and it seems to work um like 60 percent uh, like you're yeah you know it's 60 percent of amino acids have a uh, gluconeogenic uh uh well they can become glucose theory theoretically but you also tend to forget that about 30% of the protein is going to be wasted as heat. And also, uh, in the case of keto, uh, let's, uh, you have to find your, key, uh, your carb threshold. So what you do is, uh, first of, uh, of all, is you find your carb threshold, let's say that is 30 grams a day, and then any excess protein that you ingest past your lean body mass requirements, mm -hmm. the uh, maybe turn into glucose, but only at 60%. It's probably going to be oxidized as fuel. Exactly. So what you have to calculate is, okay, so what is the least amount that it's going to be used for lean mass? And then the excess would be over it. And then from that, that's where you calculate at 60%. So okay. that's your theoretical uh, gluconeogenic uh, amount of uh, protein that you're going to get transformed into glucose. That's what I normally would add. Um, but again, in this case, I was saying about the three levels. So you can either become a super protein burner, which is, I find, uh, incredibly wasteful. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have any purpose. Super inefficient. Yeah, you just want to burn protein because, well, that's your choice. Like in this case of this uh, person, uh, she was eating like a five, uh, I'm not kidding you. I, I could not believe it. But like uh, she was having breakfast with five eggs and so on, a big meal with a, probably uh, a pound of uh, meat. And at night she was having like uh, six uh, cans of tuna. It's like, what the hell? She was eating, uh, and I'm talking about a small person and super fit and, and ripped, but she was eating about 300 grams of protein, which in a day is like unconceivable, right? But like, and she wasn't really feeling that well, but again, because it's not efficient, but she was getting all the carbs and the glucose from protein. It's like, just eat carbs or eat fat, but don't waste protein like that. Uh, okay, but uh, you can also get your energy from carbs or you can get your energy from fat, but you can probably be a sort of jack of all trades depending on the situation. And so that's what metabolic flexibility for me is. I love it. Yeah, I, I think that there's probably a benefit to uh, having, you know, periodizing nutrition, having a sound approach. And like, especially if you are, especially if you are kind of trying to use both of these fuel sources, um, if you are a CrossFitter, I think if you are a pure, I think if you are like a pure anaerobic animal, like then it just becomes like this, then 
then I think the science kind of, we probably need to put it on the back burner a little bit. Like if, if you, if you want to get really good at like running at 800 meter, like we cannot really predict your performance. Like we just, cause we're, have you read Endure by Alex Hutchinson? No. So good. Cause it's like how much we don't know about fatigue, especially like that, that, that fatigue process, not necessarily muscular fatigue. We know a lot, we know what's going on there, but like that ability to resist perceived exertion. So like hmm. that's, that's like how people get insane PRs on like a 400 for no reason. They're like, get like a 10% PR and, and they don't even know why. Um, and so it's like, and so we don't have one of the, the big reasons for, and this is a complete offshoot is that you probably just have to lower your brain's perceived RPE. So if you, if you lower your brain's how hard it's got, we kind of see this with strength training in the beginning, people yeah. think strength training so hard. And then at the end, like they, they just have this, they even have this picture in their mind of how it's you going to be hard. Yeah. yeah it's a classic example where you think you cannot uh, lift more than, I don't know, 400 pounds on a deadlift and a friend comes and you didn't mm -hmm. notice he stopped took more plates and you lift it and you're like, wow, because you didn't look at it. Yeah, I do that shit all the time. I'll add weight and people don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> appreciate you, man. Uh, so we have hit all my main questions on keto. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything that you put out on the internet. Um, something that we haven't necessarily talked about is that you are bringing evidence-based, um, not, not necessarily keto or have anything to do with keto, but you are bringing evidence-based nutrition and evidence-based training to the Spanish-speaking world which I think is so important because if you only speak English, if you only speak Spanish, you have by, you can't have, you don't have access to so much material just because of the language barrier. Exactly. And, I, and I think that you guys, so I'm so grateful that you guys have that Menno has a course and that, and so thank you for all that, all that work that you do because, um, you know, it's hard. Like when I go to a gym in Costa Rica, like I don't want to be, I don't want to be the guy. I look different than them. Like, I don't want to be the guy attacking them. Like, Hey, you're, I love that you love movement. I love that you're in here sweating, getting grinding, but I want you guys to do this on a little bit better manner. And, and, and so thank you for doing, thank you for that. I really appreciate oh, anytime. it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, like, uh, it's funny now that you mention it, but we get crucified because normally we are the bearer of bad news in, in a lot of cases, right? Uh, you know that, you know how men tend to think, for example, again, uh, uh, in regards to cardio, mm -hmm. right? Uh, like it's not probably the best use of your time for fat loss. Uh, I tend to like one of the reasons why I work with men, and I think uh, we work well in, in a way, is because, um, and it, this happens with everybody who follows science you get to the same ideas probably by different roads or methods, but in the end you speak the same language and that's the language of science. That's, that's what science is about. So uh, I was saying at the beginning that we, it, we are not seen very well by some groups in, in the keto world, but that gives us the ability to be seen very well uh, by other groups that are not keto. Like we tend to speak fairly well uh, with lots of other trainers that are not keto or are anti-keto, like uh, I have a semi-good relationship with uh, Lane Norton, for example, I, I appreciate what he does, even though he may not be liked by some people. Uh, he has some solid advice on certain topics. Um, uh, for example, Andy Morgan, I value a lot of, um, I even uh, took coaching for, with him for a while. Uh, he puts out great content. Uh, and so like so many other uh, fitness advocates that may not be pro-keto or super in favor of keto, being flexible with your ideas uh, makes you uh, be able to speak with, you know, people with different mindsets. And so you always find a common ground. And the common ground is, uh, first of all, uh, of course, science, but common sense is the other. Yeah, I agree. One of, the, one of my big things is like, can you, can you draw a bigger circle around it? So, so, so you have the... You have these different groups, right? And so can I just build, what do we have in common? I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for commonalities. Uh, and so that's, I was, one thing I will say about the Spanish speaking world, it, I, I think in, in the US and maybe in Europe, we've, we've lost a little bit of our effort to the science. Like we, we become so ingrained in, in, in like finding the best metric that we forget like that you have to put in the fucking work. 
right? Yeah, the, the pyramid, right? The basics are the basics everywhere. And it seems, and it's really refreshing. Uh, we taught a seminar in San Jose and like everybody just got after it. Like everybody wanted to train. And, and sometimes you go to seminars and like people, and that's not everywhere, but there are some people like that they just like to nerd out on this stuff and don't necessarily like to go hard in the paint. Um, and so I appreciate you. I know that you go, I know that you lift. Um, so, so thank Luis for all your time. Uh, and if people want to hear more about you, keto gains anywhere else. Yeah, basically everything you see keto gains is, uh, is us. So you can look for us on Twitter. We are not that much active on Twitter, uh, but Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, you like uh, our website is, uh, multilingual. So you just click on, on the, uh, the flag and it changes, uh, at least uh, some of our things to Spanish. We're in the work in the working process of translating everything, um, but we do have a keto gains in Espanol group uh, or in Spanish. Uh, of course, uh, the main language is English uh, because most of our core audience speaks English. Uh, but we even have some people that translate some of our stuff in, in French as well. So, but yeah, basically, it's a keto gains.